That is good. I appreciate that. It's always good when uh, we can where we can see him. Because I have different classes either, I can see it. It's because you've moved up into the into the zone. All right, you're in the zone now, so we're we're good. Wow. All right, Psalm 140. Psalm 140. Turn there if you would, uh, please. And it is a uh, psalm that we began to look at um, six years ago before the mission trip, and uh, and so uh, we're gonna. Uh, pick up, but hopefully we'll kind of review a little bit as well. It's a, a prayer, as many of the psalms are, a song, a, a song prayer, okay, uh, which is designed to ask God for help based upon the promise at the end of the chapter that we're going to look at and we'll focus on because hopefully we're going to finish up the chapter today where he says this in verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Now he knew that. He was confident that there is a God in heaven who cares about and is concerned about our need. And that's why the psalm begins with these words. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man. He was in uh, dire straits. Remember, this is a psalm of David. Uh, the prayer was a, a prayer of deliverance from Saul, uh, Doeg specifically, who was uh, having an impact upon David and upon his life. And so he asked God to deliver him to meet his needs, and he knew that God would, because God always takes care of the afflicted. So uh, this evening, we're going to pick up in this. There are a few outlines left, I guess. You dug them up from, from underneath everything else, so... If you want one of the outlines, we'll be, be finishing up. Actually, I think we're in uh, Roman numeral three. Uh, and so just about, just about through it. But if you need it, then go ahead and get one. Raise a hand or just throw something at the guy back there waiting. Okay. Oh. Well, no one threw anything at you, so I guess you're all right. Let's, let's pray together or ask God to help us. Lord, we, we do need your understanding tonight. We're thankful that the Spirit of God makes known the truth of God in the heart of, of lost people, but in the heart of believers and, and guides us into truth. So we need that guidance, and we're asking for it tonight. And pray that uh, Psalm 140 would take on new meaning to us, would be a greater blessing to our lives, and I pray that you would just uh, work through the time we have together now and through the truth we will see at the end of this chapter. And we'll be encouraged by that, Father. We look forward to your help tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, there was an evangelistic meeting in Ireland. It just happens that uh, it was in Ireland, and the preacher was explaining what it means to abide in Christ, to trust in Christ completely in every trial. And as he was concluding his message, he repeated the same statement a number of times. And he said something like this. It means that in every circumstance, you can keep on saying, this, I have Jesus. And so he talked about a numerous scenarios in each one. He said, for this, I have Jesus. And uh, in this situation, for this I have Jesus, and in this crisis, for this I have Jesus, and in this difficulty, for this I have Jesus. And he went through this a number of times, and 
They came to the end of the service. They had an invitation. And at the end of the invitation, uh, they had a time for testimonies, a little bit different than you and I might be used to. But uh, a, a young lady who had been at the piano uh, that evening stood up and she said this, I have to leave shortly, so I'd like to be the first to testify. A few minutes ago, I was handed a, a telegram, and the telegram read, my mother, uh, her mother is very ill, take train home immediately. When I saw those words, she said, I knew that tonight's message was meant just for me. My heart looked up and said, for this, I have Jesus. She said, is peace and strength led my soul? After pausing for she continued, she said, I've never traveled very far alone, but you know, for this, I have Jesus. And for all the strain and suspense that goes with the thought of uh, mother being ill, I praise God for that, that for this too, I have Jesus. Um, you know, it's a wonderful truth. For this too, I have Jesus. You know, this is what Psalm 140 is all about. For this too, I have Jesus. David at the greatest crisis of life could say, God, I need you. He had Jesus. Uh, the psalmist could at any time call upon the Lord for any need. And the same is true for you and for me. And that is the truth that we read in verses 12 and 13. It is the basis upon which the entire song is written. For this, I have Jesus. I have someone I can go to in time of need. So if we can quickly just review the entire outline we've already given, what we saw, first of all, the anguish and assessment of the afflicted one in verses 1 to 5. Uh, we talked quite a bit. There was a cry to God for help, verse 1 and verse 4. He shared in verses 1 to 5 the character of evildoers. He uh, told us a number of things about them. He called them evil men, violent men, men which imagine mischief, um, that they continually cause problems. He talked about, in many ways, they are absolutely corrupt. Uh, they are wicked in verse 4, or they're bad. They are proud in verse 5. Uh, then we found as well the continual nature of problems in verse 2, where he said, continually are they gathered together for war. Uh, we saw in verses 3 to 5 the conduct of wicked men. Um, and starting in verse 3, they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. Uh, it does appear, doesn't it, that a snake is constantly sharpening its its tongue when it sticks it out and it goes in and out all the time. And so uh, seemed to be a picture of giving this idea of someone who's just preparing and ready at any time to pounce. The continual nature of problems, the con conduct of wicked men is mentioned there. Uh, in verse 4 and in verse 5, the deceit that they might use. Then we talked about, and this was the encouraging part of the psalm to me, the ability of the Almighty, verses 6 to 8. And we are encouraged by a number of things. First, we're encouraged with the person, talked about in verse 6, 7, and 8. Um, a number of things we saw. First, we saw the different names, the titles that were given uh, for, for Jehovah, God. Uh, all giving us the picture that although we may be in a helpless situation, there's a God who isn't helpless, who is able, indeed. We learned uh, about... Uh, 
the, the, the truth, uh, his ability uh, to handle the situation. Verse 7, O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation. And then in verse 7, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. In other words, God, you've already proved yourself. I know you will prove yourself now. You are the God of my salvation. I'm counting on you. You have the ability. That's the truth we can rest on. In verse 6, we saw his prayer. In verse 7, his past. In verse 8, his plea. And this is where we left off. And now we're going to see in verses 9, all the way through the end, the affirmation of the afflicted one regarding God's ability. The affirmation of the afflicted regarding God's ability. In verse 9, uh, remember we had that, the, the word sila a couple times. Selahs were believed to be, um, and I think it seems accurate, musical interludes. There were times for people to pause. Sometimes uh, some believed that there was music played in between, no words. It was just a time kind of to pause, reflect. Uh, it did certainly give us the idea you're supposed to stop here. You're supposed to think about this. And we've been doing that already. So don't think anymore. All right? No, we're going to think some more, but we're going to go on. And now in verse 8, just after that pause uh, that we had, at, I'm sorry, at the end of verse 8 and verse 9, he says, As for the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Now, the, uh, he's going to affirm... God's ability. Now, how do we know he's affirming God's ability? Verses 9 to 11, it's seen in the call to judge. It's seen in the call to judge. He says, okay, God, here are wicked men, and uh, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. God, bring upon them the judgment that rightfully should come for the sin and the deeds that they are doing to me. I'm innocent. God, he, he could honestly say, he hadn't done anything to ask for the problems from Saul. He hadn't done anything to cause Doeg to be unhappy with him or to hate him. He never did anything wrong toward either men or even the armies as well. And yet he was being afflicted. So he says, God, I need you to work, and I'm asking you to work to do what you promised. And what did God promise? Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So he's not asking uh, necessarily for anything outside of the realm of what God has promised in Scripture, and that's this, to bring upon the head of wicked men that which they rightfully deserve for their sin. And so uh, he says, God, I believe you have the ability to do this, so I'm asking you to work, and I'm asking you to take care of this. Um, verse 10, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits that they rise not up again. Let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Um, you know, that is the prayer of a righteous man. God, um, just don't allow unrighteousness to reign and rule. Now, um, the prince of the power of the air is going to be seeing to it as much as he possibly can that that happens. But a believer can pray. We can pray that we lead a quiet and peaceable life, can't we? In fact, the instruction of scriptures, we can pray for God to judge wickedness. Yes, we can. Um, but uh, uh, it's wonderful to know that we can ask God to do this because there is a just God in heaven that sees unrighteousness. 
and that has the ability to do something. So the affirmation of the afflicted one saying, God, I believe you're able, and it's seen when he gives a call to God to judge. It's also seen in the closing, or I, I also put confident assertion if you want to, but in the closing remarks. It's seen in the closing remarks. In verse 12, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Now, the poor goes through difficult times. They're poor. <laughs> yeah. Hello? You know, it's an indication that it's difficult. They don't have a lot. Yes. Uh, but he was confident that God would maintain the cause of the afflicted one and the right of the poor that God would see to it that righteousness is done. And I uh, love these verses because they're full of confidence. It's not like, well, God, I think. But look at the assurance of verse 12. I know. I'm confident of this. There is no doubt in my mind this is how God works. And what's funny about that is, is that in his own mind and heart, he battled with that. as was evidenced a short time, uh, well, we don't know exactly when, but when he runs for his life to the land of the Philistines um, and then feigns himself to be mad and then goes and destroys towns completely so that no one could go back and give word to the king about what he's really doing. The king thinks he's killing off Israelites, <laughs> and he's not. Uh, so uh, let, me, let me say this. The truth of the matter is a lot of times we question whether God can, and that's our, our, the old human nature in us. But we need to be reminded, and the psalm reminds us, that our, our God always does what's right, and we can trust him too. And when our heart is tempted to say, God, I just, I can't, I gotta, I gotta act on my own on this. Um, that we would remind ourselves, God always takes care of his own when we do what's right. Always. Never forget that. It may not seem like it. It may be very, there, the times may be very trying. I, I don't suppose the three Hebrew children were excited about going in the fire. I don't think Daniel was Overjoyed that he's being thrown in the den of lions. I don't believe that David was happy about running for his life. But you know, God proved himself in every one of those. And by the way, God proved himself to be with and to be a help in Hebrews chapter 11 for those who were sawn asunder. You know what it means to be sawn asunder? It's a cruel way to die. Sometimes God walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes God delivers. But the fact of the matter is God always takes care of the needy who trust him. So whether it's walking through the portal of death and being with and giving strength and help to people who were burned at the stake like John Huss, who had a testimony for Jesus Christ even as he was being burned, uh, or if it's God delivering from the fire, which he did with the three Hebrew children. Um, we can trust him to take care of those who are afflicted because that's how God works. 
And the confidence of this author is the confidence that we need all the time. And we must not let that waver. So we have the affirmation of the afflicted one regarding God's ability. Um, one uh, writer uh, said this. He said, the psalmist here doubtless refers primarily to himself as having a confident belief that the Lord would maintain his cause or would defend him. But at the same time, he makes the statement general, implying that what would be done to him will be done to all in similar circumstances. The idea is that God, in all his attributes, in all his providential arrangements, in all his interpositions on earth, would be found on the side of the oppressed, the afflicted, and the wronged. He has no attribute that can take part with an oppressor or with a wrongdoer. The wicked cannot come to him with the belief that he will be on their side. The righteous, the oppressed, the afflicted can. You can know. So let's make, just to close this chapter, this, this uh, wonderful psalm, let me give you the application to our affliction. Let me just share with you a couple, couple applications to, to close. First, and I'm encouraged by this, it's acceptable to ask for help. It's, that's profound, I know. But it's acceptable to ask for help. This whole psalm is about that. Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. And by the way, that comes out as and seems as if it wasn't just like, yeah, deliver me, but God, deliver me. So no matter how serious the situation, and this is serious, this guy running for his life. Um, it's acceptable to ask for help. Um, we are encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace to find uh, grace to help in time of need. So come, ask. Um, ask and you shall receive. Uh, now, we need to ask for the right thing. Uh, sometimes we don't know how to pray, do we? Paul prayed, God, take this storm away. And that wasn't, wasn't necessarily what God had as a plan for Paul at that time. So he taught him something different. But it is acceptable to ask. By the way, God never rebuked Paul for asking, never upbraided him for asking for God to remove the thorn in the flesh. He said, Paul, I've got something else for you. I want you to learn. My grace is sufficient. And by the way, that is an important lesson to learn. David needed to remember that. God's grace is sufficient. But it's acceptable to ask. And that is encouraging to me. Okay. So it doesn't seem like God is going to take this away. But it's, there's nothing wrong with asking. God, deliver me. But you know, there was an attitude in this. You remember, um, he understood that God doesn't always take it away. And notice verse 7 again. Thou hast covered my head when? All right, so God didn't take the day of battle away, did he? All the time. God went with him through it. God met the need in the midst. So, look, come, ask for help. Ask for deliverance, fine. Nothing wrong with that unless it seems clear that God is leading in a different way or God is working in a different way. And then comes the time where you say, okay, God, I need grace. 
ask. Come boldly. Feel free to come before the throne of one who can change the circumstance or go with you through it. And ask him for what you need. And that is just the wonderful encouragement of this passage. Our praying needs to keep both scenarios in mind. God may not remove it. He'll give grace through it if he doesn't. Uh, But I can ask and I can pray for help. Second truth, application we can make. It's imperative to accept whatever God chooses to do. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Just as God God will do what's right, God will always do what's right. Just keep saying that to yourself. Even when it doesn't seem, God will do what's right. He always does. Always will. It's imperative to accept whatever God chooses. You can be confident, no matter what circumstances seem to be telling you, that God will do what's right. And listen, this comes from a guy who is who is in the fire, who is in the midst. There's there's no there's no one in this room that could understand what it's like to be running for your life like David was. No one. No one understands that. Here, none of us had to face, have ever had to face that. Um, I mean. These people were trying to kill him daily. He's in the woods just trying to eke out an existence, get food, protect, what, 450 men, I think, something like that, that he had. Sent his parents away at one time to protect them. It's just a trying time. Um, And there needs to be that acceptance. Okay, God, you'll do what's right. I'm going to trust you completely. I I don't understand. I don't know why. I think Job was there. I don't understand. I don't know why. But though he slay me, what do you say? Yet will I trust. Not confidence. God, God will do right. He always does. God will do right. Christian, God will do right. A preacher asked this, do you ever get impatient? Ever find yourself frustrated by the way things are going or not going? Ever feel dissatisfied with your circumstances and wish they were better? Ever feel there's not enough time in a day? Not enough energy to do it all? Not enough money at month's end? Not enough to go around? If so, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club of discontented people. For many of us, impatience, frustration, and dissatisfaction are part of our daily routine. We want control, so we demand our surroundings adjust to us rather than vice versa. What we don't like, we change. We change the channel. We change jobs. We change churches. We change friends. We know we should be content, but we're not. We think that if our circumstances change, for the better, of course, that we will be satisfied and content. Then we'll have enough. But the secret, the secret is resting in the truth that God will do what is right. It's learning contentment at all times and accepting whatever God allows to happen 
to happen. To be content with the thought that if he'll just go with us, we'll be okay. If he delivers, we'll rejoice. If he allows it to stay with us, and he's with us, we'll be all right. Except the last truth to take home is this. It's important to abide in him through it all. Verse 13, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name, the upright shall dwell in thy presence. The writer is sure that the righteous will end up looking back and giving thanks to, for what God has done. Daniel, the book of Daniel, was written after the fact. And the Hebrew children could look back and say, wow, look at what God did. Now, it wasn't that way before. We don't know what God's going to do. But king, we won't. Um, it's just important to abide in him. Stay by the Lord's side through it all. What an important message, because we're prone to run, to wander, to stray from God, to say, no, Lord, I've had enough. Get me out of this. And, um, and God says, uh, David reminds us, look, the righteous, he doesn't say, are giving thanks to thy name. What does he say? Sure, I'm confident of this. The righteous, what? Okay, when you're going through it, a lot of times you don't feel like it. And it doesn't seem like you have reason to give thanks, but there will be a day, if you trust, where you'll be able to look back and say, um, you know, the Lord's led me all the way. He's led me step by step each day. And um, that day will come. If you'll just remain faithful, abide in him. Because um, God will always do what's right. So, this is an important psalm for us, isn't it? Because we all go, we're all going through that at times. Sometimes, for a long time, many different ways. And we need uh, the encouragement of psalms like this to remind us there's a uh, a mighty God in heaven, we can trust. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this psalm and just the reminder it gives us to, to trust you uh, when the day is dark, when the way is hard. Thank you for the encouragement to call, uh, the promise that you'll take care of and do what's right by the righteous man, by the poor and um, the encouragement just to keep on. May we be faithful and abide in you and stay with you through every difficulty for the glory of God and then look back and be able to rejoice at, at your faithfulness because you always, always come through. Thank you for that. Help us to be people who trust in Jesus' name. Amen.